Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today, what a treat, by Meredith. Hello. And uh, you flew in here with some hot, hot news. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, so uh, n- about an hour ago, I look in on my Instagram and mm-hmm. see a photo from one of my best friends, uh, investigative journalist and conflict reporter, Sulame Anderson, uh, with her smiling like an idiot next to <laughs> Megan Rapino. How the fuck did she run into Megan Rapino? Well, they were at the airport, and it seemed they were getting on a flight, so Oh, of they course, weren't on the plane yet. No, 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 they weren't on the plane yet. They were before they boarded, so she was like able to get convinced her. She's like, she says, oh, I was shaking so much, I couldn't keep things together, and there were people waiting, and I felt <laughs> bad, and then all of a sudden, she's like, oh, let me do it, then she's like, this way, it'll turn yeah. out good. Uh, and then she gets on the plane, and a few minutes later, she hears, well, hello again. <laughs> And it's Megan Rapino. How is she so cool? I do not know. This I would be so burnt out by now if I w- was her. First of all, you go through the whole ordeal of winning, right? right? Which is no small feat, obviously. But then they have not stopped partying since then. Nope. They or just had a the huge been, parade in New York. Yeah, and they, I guess they partied between Sunday and uh the part of the parade on Wednesday. Then mm-hmm. they got on a plane, flew to Los Angeles, went to the ESPYs. She looked amazing. Yeah. Then it seems eventually ended up back in Seattle, but now is somewhere else, which is where I believe where mm-hmm. Sula may run into her. I didn't ask too many details about the where's. I just knew, oh, well, you're on a plane. So, right. of course, uh, yes, my friend got Wi-Fi for the specific purpose of telling me updates about this. That's and the first thing I would have done. I would yeah. have been like, here's my credit card. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much the Internet is. <laughs> I have to tell everyone I'm sitting next to Megan Rapino. Yes. Uh, what but a yes, treat. It was. Uh, apparently, she's a lovely person and was still incredibly gracious. So uh, um, That's not yeah. what I heard from Piers Morgan. Okay. Okay, mm, Meredith, well, I've heard that she's very arrogant and won't look people in the eye, and I should not like her. Right, she's unladylike. Well, maybe right. it's because uh, she just relates to other unladylike, uh, uppity women, sure. which would make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a, that's pretty much her brand on this show, uppity women. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before we get any further, I wanted to make an announcement that tonight, Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, is the online hangout for my $10 a month supporters and higher over at Patreon. So I hope to see you there if you if you listen to this in time. If you're a $10 plus supporter and you're like, God damn it, Allison, I didn't know the hangout was tonight, that's okay. We have it every month. So uh, just stay tuned for the next one. Also... God, you and I have so much to talk about. Oh, my God. But before we get to all of that, I wanted to answer some Patreon questions. Of course. Because, again, if you're a $5 a month uh, supporter of mine over at Patreon or higher, you get to send questions that will answer on Light Treason News. So the first question is from Elizabeth. So question for me and my co-host. And they tweak this a little bit. Yeah. And we may have to tweak it back. Okay. Mary kiss kill. We can just do fuck Mary kill. Yeah. Uh, the Avengers cast, and I love how broad that is. Yeah. Because my God, we could spend the entire episode doing the entire Avengers cast. Um, I already know what I'm going to say. Okay, we'll go because right. I'm like, who am I choosing from? All right, kill Robert Downey Jr. because he's a <laughs> shitty ass Republican. Um, Not Scarlett Johansson. I mean, I'm sorry, do you know how much money Robert Downey Jr. has? Well, how much money does Scarlett Johansson have? Well, it's more than Scarlett Johansson. Really? I mean, she sucks in a way that's identifiable. Robert Downey Jr., I find to be actively bad because I hate every interview I I, ever read with him. I agree. He's also bad. uh, So I would kill Robert Downey Jr., fuck Michael B. Jordan. uh, Oh, oh, wow. Okay. uh, Marry Chris Evans. Okay. Yes. I agree with marrying Chris Evans. Oh, see, I didn't even think about a deep, a deeper cut like. Uh, well, I mean, when I thought about the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, that's where I went. I would still marry Chris Evans, but I'd fuck Hemsworth. Ooh, I might marry Ruffalo. Oh, okay. And fuck Chris Evans. Mm. We'll go into his dungeon. I was gonna say, <laughs> like, but see if you if I married Chris Evans, yeah. I have consistent access to the dungeon. I feel like Mark Ruffalo, like, if I was in my twenties, I would say Chris Evans, marry him. But now that I'm older, I'm like, I'd marry Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, fair. What a what a good dude. And still so hot. So that's my answer. Yeah. But Michael B. Jordan, wow, yeah. Technically part of the Avengers cast. 
Great answer. Great yeah. answer. Uh, what do you think? Do you have a different answer? Hashtag light treason pod. Let us know. Great question. Thank you, Elizabeth. Next, Alex. This is a heavier question. Okay. Do you have any red flags when it comes to dating or even just becoming friends with others supposedly, and I cannot emphasize enough the strong quotation marks here, liberal or progressive people? I recently met up with a guy who talked about having dated trans women in a way that felt like he was aiming for some sort of woke points. I'm wondering if you've ever had similar experiences or have things that put you on high alert, Meredith? Uh, anyone who still <laughs> thinks that the Clinton administration was a high point for the Democratic Party uh-huh. uh, is absolutely a Great. problem for me. Great answer. Um, anyone, I also think that um, people who, uh, I would say men specifically, who have questions or w- make any sort of stop towards uh, being frustrated by political correctness or concerns yes. about quote-unquote identity politics infecting the class struggle. Right. Um, if, if they talk about, like, cancel culture and they roll their eyes a lot. Yeah. Uh, but also, God, I feel like I have probably one more. Oh, yeah, if they listen to Chapo. Oh, that's a huge one. And actually, I know some people who listen to this show who also listen to Chapo, and I don't get it. Well, uh, all I'm saying is I'm not going to date those people. No, for sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll, like, I'll make a like conversation with you for a short period of time. But no, I would not date you. And also, I think just what you already mentioned in your your very thoughtful message, Alex, anybody who sort of just talks about being a liberal and that they're acting like they want a cookie or, or a gold star mm-hmm. for just being a good person or acting like they're a good person... Yeah. That's a red flag. Like, you shouldn't have to tell me you're a feminist. Your, your actions should tell me that you're a feminist, yeah. right? So, and the final question, Diane. Diane has a question and a recommendation, which I love. Ooh. And also encourage you all to do. Don't ever feel like you can just send, you can only send one question or you have to pick between a question and a recommendation. We love to get both. So Diane's question is... You're put into witness protection. God, these are such good questions, you guys. <laughs> You're put into witness protection. They offer you some choices with no time to mull them over. Where do you want to live? What profession do you want to do? Are you married or single? Go. Uh, okay. Uh, probably somewhere in Maine. Yes, okay. it's cold, but it it'll cold. be near Canada, and it's pretty. Also, uh, it's basically as close as I'd be able to get to Scandinavia without... Uh, being allowed to leave the country. Sure. Profession, I would want to be a, oh my God. I want to say something really cheesy. Like I'm going to be like a life coach or something because I can't be. Interesting. Uh, I could see you in Maine as a life coach in a chunky sweater. Oh my God, yeah. See, yeah. You, you get it. Like yeah. I'm just going to kick it in like Portland or uh, what's the other place that's like, or maybe Orono. Sure. Uh, and I mean... Married or single is weird. I mean, it's a little weird, I guess, but if you were trying to disguise me as effectively as possible, I would be married. Sure. Okay, so mine is Austin, Mm -hmm. probably, just because I feel like who I am, I have to still live in a very blue city, access to vegan food. I want to be around other tattooed people so people don't fucking stare at me. So, And I really, really like Austin. I love the music scene and all that stuff, so Austin. Um... I was going to cheat and say L.A., but that almost seems like they're not going to no. put you in L.A. for no. witness protection. I don't know if they'd put you in Austin, but they'd probably put you in Houston. Mm-hmm. But a uh, profession, I think, like, I have been on this kick lately. And uh, please, please know that I don't mean this in an offensive way. I think I would want to be an ASL interpreter. Mm-hmm. Um, I have recently been researching classes and stuff. I really, really have gotten it into my head that I've always really liked ASL. Um, and when I was little, we have a a friend of the family, a relative who, uh, is deaf and she taught me the alphabet and I always really loved it and I wanted to learn more about it. So, and I just like, I think it's really beautiful. So I think I would be an ASL interpreter. I know that's a weird answer and maybe married. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Here's a question for you that follows up on that. Yeah. If the witness protection program said that you had to get rid of your tattoos in order to be safe. Get rid of my tattoos? Like, burn them all off? Yeah, they were like, we need to take at least I don't least even know if them. you could burn this all off. All I'm saying is, like, would you take the witness, would you take the safety of the witness protection program or would you risk it and keep your body art? 
Oh, interesting. I mean, if it was like between my art and dying, <laughs> I'm sure I would try to get it burnt off. I just don't think it's physically possible. Yeah. But wow, what a Sophie's Choice question. Uh, just cut off my arms. <laughs> but then I can't do ASL. Oh, sad. Uh, so recommendations from Diane. Both of these are super good, by the way. Yes. Okay. I, I'm not familiar with either, but I will be definitely checking them out. So Diane says, I know you like true crime. So you've probably seen these. Diane, I haven't. One, Wire in the Blood series. It's a story of a clinical psychologist, Dr. Tony Hill, who was called upon by the police to investigate mysterious killings across the north of England. Fair warning, this one will give you nightmares Ooh. if you're not careful. So uh, Where just can I her. watch? Uh, used to be streaming somewhere. I don't, I don't know. I think okay. it was probably. Yeah. I'll find it. And two, Happy Valley series. A police sergeant in a small town where drunkards, drug addicts, and teenage pregnancies are a way of life. Wow. Yeah. Both of those sound amazing. And I mean this as an extra compliment, Diane, because this is going to shock a lot of people. I recently went through my podcasts and I deleted all of my true crime podcasts Ooh. other than my favorite murder, mm -hmm. which I still love dearly. I got really tired of hearing guys talk about murders. Yeah. I mean, I only listen to ones where Canadians talk about murders sure. and uh, ones where women talk about I, yeah, I like, can only I can listen only to women that. talk yeah. about it because uh, it creeps me out a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, Diane, thank you so much, though. Those both sound really good, and I am going to check them out for sure. So, Meredith, listen, before we get to the thing that you and I are both salivating to talk dying about. to talk about i need to give some other recommendations fair. before we totally get to that fair. and also please if you have any other recommendations oh well i want to throw one right in Absolutely. right away yeah. um this is also kind of crime mm -hmm. it's called trapped it's an icelandic tv show Ooh. it's on amazon prime okay. uh there is a a small town a share like a cop from a small town in the east of iceland ends up going back because that's where his family is and uh during it, the first season is during a uh snowstorm that locks everyone in he has to investigate a murder um and uh the second season just dropped and i watched the first half of it and that one starts out with someone self-immolating in uh, Reykjavik wow. and things going kind of nuts from there. So just highly recommend. It's really cool, uh, very atmospheric, and also just like it's an Icelandic crime drama that isn't based on, you know, some random Swedish bros, like, sure. mystery series. Sure, I love it. Um, also, guys, I hope you share Amazon Prime passwords because Amazon Prime is very expensive. Oh, yeah. And I just get my password and access from my friends who are very generous. But yeah, share that shit because Amazon is terrible. Yes. So my recommendations. Um, Instant Hotel on okay. Netflix. I was so late to this and I was like, oh, God, I guess I'll watch it. I've literally gone through everything else in Netflix. <laughs> it's the last thing I haven't watched yet. And it's fucking addictive. And I love it. If you have never heard about it, and I was shocked about how many people had not heard about I it. I haven't heard of it. Oh, okay, great. So this is an Australian series in which people who rent out Airbnbs stay at each other's Airbnbs and rate them. Ooh. And it's a competition. Uh, there's a host. There's like an interior design expert who's fabulous. And they're like the experts who uh, like lend their points to the whole scoring system. But it is fucking cutthroat because obviously they're competing for a hundred thousand right. dollars and they get to stay at this is my favorite part the for one of the seasons the prize is that they get to stay in one of the highest rated airbnbs in uh los angeles oh and they're like rumored to belong to a major a-list celebrity so of course immediately i go to google and i'm like who owns this house and the rumor is it's leonardo dicaprio oh my, of course of course and if when you see the house you're like absolutely it's mm -hmm. leonardo dicaprio's house uh, so it's awesome. They have two seasons up on Netflix right now. Do watch that. I have, um, like a tentative recommendation for the, la the last czars on Netflix. If only because, so obviously the last czars is about the Romanov family and Rasputin. And the reason I'm giving it a kind of recommendation is I will say the series is uneven. It's also wildly inaccurate. Super inaccurate. Um, I, I was happy that they showed uh, the anti-Semitism um, because I was really afraid that they were going to over 
overly romanticize, which they do at the end. Very much like the the workers mm-hmm. and the soldiers who are rising up are, are the bad guys, right? <laughs> like by the end of the series. But the reason I'm giving it a lukewarm recommendation is because Ben Cartwright as Rasputin is inspired. He is just chewing the scenery every moment of this series, and he's great. I thought he did a really good job. So also on HBO, there's a documentary called I Love You Now Die. Oh, Erin Lee Carr. Yeah, Erin Lee Carr directed it. If you don't follow her on Twitter, you absolutely should. She's great. Um, She's also a a lady director in a field that is overwhelmingly dominated by men. So do check that out. I was not super familiar with the story. Um, You know, obviously I'd heard that there was this like kid who who died by suicide and his evil girlfriend <laughs> who had been texting him and telling him to kill himself obviously it's not that simple and actually it's a really really complicated story and i think aaron does a really good job of of parsing how complicated it is so i do recommend that obvious trigger warnings for uh, suicide uh eating disorder stuff like that I'm going to give an anti-wreck for The Handmaid's Tale. I haven't even bothered to watch it. I got burned out last season and felt like the end mm-hmm. of the season was totally unbelievable. And yes. so just do not feel the need. No, and it gets even more unbelievable. There was a awful, uh, the last episode was just truly awful. Um, they are just bad with racial politics. Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah. Like really, really bad. Mm-hmm. I just wrote in my reminder to talk about this. Handmaid's Tale is bad now. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a moment uh, at the end of the, uh, the latest episode where you think June's going to die. And I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. I was like, honestly, I think the boldest thing they can do at this point is kill June. Yeah. Uh, and just move on with the other characters. But yeah, I, I do not recommend it. At least the, the course it's on right now. Now, next. Let's talk about Midsummer. Oh, and just, yeah. you know, there's no way to talk about this without spoiling it. So if you are planning to see Midsummer, if you're even mildly interested and you're like, maybe I'll go see it one day, uh, skip ahead to the bad news music cue because we're going to spoil this thing for you. The fuck out of it. We are. Ooh, okay. So I let me say up top that this is a film that is not just divisive but like divisive among my friends whose opinion I respect Mm -hmm. so there are some friends of mine who are are very intelligent uh give great film recommendations all the time who hated this movie I have one friend who had no opinion about it which just struck me as like totally bizarre Mm -hmm. she she just felt like I think disconnected from it the whole time but I like for me in talking with people about it you either love it or you hated it but like I heard people in my theater and this was the Alamo so this Mm -hmm. is like you know pretentious film people who are very well behaved during the movie um but there was a woman behind me like muttering the whole time because she hated it so much I mean when I went in I went to see it in the East Village at a one of the AMC's and Mm. I was waiting for my friend and I had to go print out tickets so that she could come in late and the woman in front of me was trying to decide what movie to see and she says I just don't know what I'm gonna see yet I just I just finished watching Midsummer, and god that was a waste of time <laughs> and I was like so you're gonna go see another and that yeah. was that we read enough and I just thought oh I'm not gonna tell you what I'm seeing right, but right, right. uh that there was just a random person who was telling me she hated yeah. it and spoiler alert my friend and I adored it and I loved we also it. were having like there was this was a theater primed full of people who mm-hmm. seemed to know a lot about the like references yes. and were very ready to laugh at the funny parts it is so and funny is I was so I was funny. not prepared for how funny it was and I the cast was a complete mystery to me so there were some nice surprises in there uh cheaty uh of like really good comedic actors who were so good in the in the funny parts that they had uh I as I said I saw it at the Alamo and the Alamo does this great thing before a film like that where they mm-hmm. give you a whole educational rundown of the folk horror genre yep. that really really enhanced the whole experience for me so that was very very cool um yeah so I guess let's let's get right into it I love Midsummer because I found it and this is going to sound so weird tremendously cathartic yeah because it embraces one of my favorite tropes of horror which is watching bad people get punished um, but not in the way that you see in most American horror films no. where the bad people who get punished include uh, 
sluts or right. something. None it's of not that. it's not that this kind is of exploitation. Like actually arrogant, bad people. <laughs> yeah. Arrogant American backpackers entering a culture that is not their own, being immediately judgmental, and also appropriating, stealing, um Uh, exhibiting zero curiosity whatsoever beyond the sort of shock value of it we're trying to like fuck the local women you know but like just being arrogant assholes and then they are immediately punished for it Mm -hmm. and that was very cathartic also the central character what's that actress's name Florence Pugh Florence Pugh which I I learned something extremely disturbing about uh, her today but I want to wait until we okay I know what it is and I was also (laughs) disturbed um (laughs) <laughs> she is incredible in it. There, so the the sort of uh, impetus for whole her whole storyline and the whole movie is that her sister, who is mentally ill, and I want to talk about Ari Aster's uh, tendency to cast mentally ill people and disfigured people as monsters in his films. Because if I was going to criticize the film at all, I was I was not thrilled with those two aspects of the mm-hmm. film. But uh, her sister, the character, is mentally ill, and she actually ends up not only not only does she die by suicide, she also kills their parents mm-hmm. in a spectacular way. Um, and when Florence's character um, Danny gets the news, that scene where she is just sobbing, the sound that comes out of her, I was like, wow, she is a very good actress. Yeah. Um, oh, can I jump in? Yes. He's like, so this is important because she's in a relationship with a dude, a grad student, who is shown initially being a little bit lukewarm and a little bit distant and very quickly is uh, shown to be the worst. The worst. And, and uh, here's and something yeah. that Ari Aster is really good at. He taps into anxiety and fear in such interesting ways like I thought the scene where so she knows from the beginning that the friends don't like her right well and, and that there's something off in the relationship and yes. she's worried she about senses this it. But, but her partner uh no Mark Josh Pele and what the fuck is his name I can't remember they all have such generic I just like names. whatever like dude um is you know, he's pulling away, he's doing all of this stuff. You think, okay, yeah, this is going to be bad. And if she was a stronger person or if she was in a different space. But, like, she has these little glimmers, though. Like, when they first get there and she takes mushrooms with all of them, she walks past that group of people and she's like, they're laughing at me. Oh, yeah. That is 100% her realizing that she is with people who don't respect or like her. Yes. And then when she has that nightmare of them leaving her, which is so visceral and real and like when will i forget will's uh character's name but when he looks back and he smiles at her oh that's so creepy and like it's so real when you like you know for those of you listening who have been in this experience when you get the sense that a relationship is like starting to unravel yeah those like warning flags right Mm -hmm. we were just talking about warning flags and dating but like she senses on another another level Mm -hmm. that there is something very wrong but in at a if you're in a place that if you're in a vulnerable place and you have not been given uh, you know and your partner isn't being honest with you about how they're feeling or mm-hmm. exactly what they're going through the natural response is to continue to cling and to try yep. and hold tighter yep. to see if there's some way that the thing I mean I related to this deeply that if there's just if you can just do one thing or one thing that makes mm-hmm. them happy or makes them feel better or make them feel comfortable when they forget your birthday or they yeah, don't want to do this like that you're just like no it's okay it's okay that that will be the thing that yeah. reminds them why they love you and yeah when she when she yeah. uh, when, before they even leave when she confronts him about not having told her that yeah. which he was a totally reasonable trip, yeah like and then she ends up apologizing at oh, yeah. the end. It is gaslight central yeah. in uh, this relationship. So they get to Sweden. They're going. <laughs> uh, let's just keep moving because yeah. I've got some stuff. I've yeah, got other yeah, yeah. bits to talk about. Uh, they get to Sweden. They're going to this festival because the Swedish friend in this male friend group grew up in a commune far from Stockholm in the north, Listen like above me. the Arctic Circle. Listen to me. If that hot man invited me to Sweden, I would 
Not ask any questions. Oh, are you kidding? I was like, yeah, I'll stay in your fucking commune. Cool. I, w- I like fully understood why they all followed him. I was like, oh, your charming, tall, hot friend invited you to Sweden? Yeah. I mean, I'd go. Yeah. Uh, so they get there. They park their car. They meet up, start meeting with people. They take some drugs. Danny starts having some disturbing experiences. And the friends start really showing exactly how hilarious they are. Mm-hmm. My favorite is Mark, played by Will Poulter, who was... Vandersnatch, baby. I was going to say, the, the hot shot game designer in Bandersnatch. He's a treat. Whenever He's I see so him, funny. I get instantly happy. And uh, my favorite character trait, like character thing that he does in the film is he's vaping. <laughs> like, At, like inappropriate times. He's like always vaping when he like really should maybe not be vaping. I have to say that <laughs> is one of my favorite Actually, the whole film is one of my favorite interpretations of shrooming. Like I've heard that too, yeah. Obviously, at the end, when the flowers start moving and everything, that's very realistic. But when they're just sitting on the lawn and Will goes, oh my God, new person. And that guy just <laughs> walks by. I was like, that is so accurate. It makes me mad that it took someone that long to just show that very simple thing. Yeah, yeah. there was an Ari Aster AMA and someone's like, I really like the scenes with the hallucinations. Have you ever done psychedelics? And his answer just is... Yep. Yeah. And then next question. Like, he absolutely has <laughs> several times because um, that is dead on. Yeah. So then, you know, once you get to the com, they get to the commune. They meet up with this British couple that has been brought by Pele, the Swedish mm-hmm. guy's brother. Um, they all kind of get shown around this commune. There's all kinds of adorable children running everywhere, and people you are wearing silly. You thought they were adorable? Co- I thought they were children of the corn. When they ran out, I got scared. Oh, no, I mean, but those are my people. Well, sure, they look so like you, but Meredith, your people are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw a line of, like, blonde children, I got very scared. Um, um, oh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm a little bit more used to it, I guess. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there's, you see, and it's all the pastoral, there's cows, there's it's a, beautiful. you know, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, like. I listened to an interview yeah. with Ari Aster where he was talking about, Basically, he didn't even understand that Hereditary was this huge hit because as soon as they finished filming that, they flew out to Hungary, found that yard, that lawn. And then built the town. And the grass, he said, was over his head. So they had to mow that entire lawn, build six enormous, intricate uh, uh, buildings like with etchings on the inside and stuff like that. Like The amount of work that went into it. And I think it's easy to take that for granted because it, it's a small community, mm, but no. still so much work. I mean, I mean the painting, like the, the as is, uh, even in Hereditary, some of the, like the production design, the intricate level of detail that shows up in his films and the way that he shoots things so that you get these long yeah. views of the architecture, the the paintings that are on the walls of all these things, the runes on certain trees. Apparently the, there there like, does exist somewhere a four-hour cut of the film. He said he's going to release the director's cut within a half hour of He said footage. he would never release the four hours. But he I'll might release the, the half three hour. hours. I'll because apparently the reason it was so long is he, he shows every aspect of the community. Like, they go into tremendous depth about the kitchen and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which... I would watch it. I'd, yeah, wa- I'd watch too. the four hours. And I, I mean, this is one of those things, like, I think some people don't like the movie because they think it's slow. They yeah. think the buildup doesn't work. I think that yeah. intricate will- world building punctuated by shocking violence and or genuinely unsettling mm-hmm. moments is a perfectly good way to spend a few hours, especially when it builds yeah. to something so excellent. But, you I know, really, also, like, I'd learning about the, like, learning about this weird cutoff culture yeah. and seeing the the way that, people have you know these guys are like oh we oh i guess but okay we'll just go with it like and it, yeah and yeah. i i understand their motivations the whole time i think uh it was a nice little shorthand writing trick to make them phd students mm-hmm. because phd student students do do uh irrational stuff like that where oh, yeah. there would be warning signs and they would ignore them because they're like but our thesis is you know yeah um and yeah. you know yeah i said the first thing i said to my friend when the credits started was this is why i don't drad students anymore no thank Um, you um but yeah i really i appreciate world building where i feel like i am physically standing in that space yeah and you know where they are at all times you know the layout of the community that was very very clever it also sets things up so that when you have some like a physical object or a person in the frame Mm -hmm. and they're not doing anything it makes it creepy because you already have enough of sense of space that 
the people have purposes and so it's easier to create these this sense of unease because you yes. know something's about to happen yes and it's so much better than other i don't know i mean i really want to get to the violence stuff because sure. man it's really fun but like yeah uh, uh there's only one jump scare in the movie that i can think of when she goes into that outhouse yeah. and uh she sees her sister standing behind her um but other than that this film takes place almost entirely in not just the daytime, but blinding light. Yeah, because it's supposed to be, it's midsummer. Yeah. So it's, uh, they're above the Arctic Circle, which means they're 24 hours sunlight. Yeah, so that inherently means that Ari Aster has to scare you in different ways. And how he does that is, yeah, this slow dread with her relationship. This, this knowing that something bad is going to happen. Just yeah. like dread the entire mm-hmm. film. Uh, yeah, let's talk about, because there is also uh, shocking violence yeah. in this film. Graphic, graphic violence. If that is not your thing, do not see this movie. Um, so part of this cutoff Swedish community's uh, tradition entails that once you reach a certain age, you commit ritual suicide. Yeah. Um, and we see a couple commit suicide, um, and the man botches it, and he lands foot first instead of head first, which is horrible. Yeah. You this hear is his a bones real break. Viking tradition, by the way. Yes, yeah. and he he breaks. You hear his bones break. Uh, the sound editing in this film is out of hand, and the the tradition if that happens is they bash your head in with a giant mallet yeah which uh when the young boys start bashing and you start seeing it happen repeatedly someone in the front row of my theater just shouted oh my god that's so extra (laughs) (laughs) i mean truly it was my theater was silent oh uh because i think people were really really shocked um he lingers on it i'm gonna say too long i think he i think another one of his weaknesses as a director is he really wallows in violence when i don't think he needs to no also it did end up making some of the um practical effects look faker it did look fake um but you know even then i'd still take it because i I, maybe it's just because i've seen too many giallo films but like (laughs) once you've watched suspiria enough times it's kind of it just becomes enjoyable to be like all right how did they build that yeah sure just on a fascination level um yeah i i think he he would have i think it would have served him better to have edited that scene more i also Mm. think he didn't need the part about the uh, deformed people as a product from incest yeah. at all. Yeah, the idea that the only way that they're... That was the the big issue that didn't seem to be necessary was that the only way uh, they could have... Pr- their profits could be profits would to be to, to carefully inbreed until there's severe disability yeah. and deformity. And that in itself, like... You don't need to show, like, no, I don't think you need that. Um, I again, I don't know if there's some kind of historical precedent that he was drawing from for that, but like, I think if you're looking for a pure vessel, if you want that whole angle, it's like make it a kid, you know, like a child. Um, but yeah, so uh, I I just want to like I, can yeah. I, I just want to go I, I feel like the big thing that was amazing like made me love this movie uh, was the the way in which as things get crazier and the relationship mm-hmm. deteriorates more mm-hmm. and the other relationships become stranger, you like, I just wanted them to die so badly. Like from you wanted almost, who to die? All the dudes. Oh my God. It, like I was yes. so pleased when they started getting picked off and like by how hilariously and grossly they did. Well, I, mean, I really, like, really liked that he just had, the friends just disappear. Yeah. That and we don't know them. what happened until mm-hmm. the very end. Yeah. Um, I think the way that film builds and the soundtrack, I have listened to Fire Temple on loop since I saw the movie. That ending where they are burning the temple and she is in the flower gown is one of the most beautiful things I have yeah. ever seen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like, just knowing, I mean, this is when, when it went full Wicker Man, I was totally ready for that. I'm glad you brought that up because I've never, believe it or not, I've never seen Wicker Man. <laughs> There's, there was two wonderful uh, nods to both you, the original you think it's a Wicker nod. Man. I, well, I mean, it, it's a straight up. I mean, the whole movie is like yeah. a blatant love letter, homage, whatever, like quasi ripoff. But there is uh, references to both the original and the Nicolas Cage remake. So this is a debate that people are having, though, where some people see it as a blatant ripoff and they hate it for mm-hmm. that reason. And other people are like, no, it's a clever homage. 
Because the whole background of them being like students and everything is different. Yeah. I don't really think that it matters if it is kind of a ripoff because mm. it's it's very it's different. It's modern. It creates a different setup. Um, nobody's ever going to you're never going to beat a situation where a weird virgin cop goes to the Scottish Islands and then has to face off against Britt Eklund being sexy and Christopher Lee being the coolest man alive. Sure. Um, because ultimately, like. I've seen, like, I watch that movie every May Day. Mm-hmm. I would like to be able to watch movies about um, murderous cults, mm-hmm. um, murderous ritualistic pag- pagan cults uh, that brings something different to the table, even if it's very similar. So to sure. me, I was fine with it. And also just knowing that it was so much about it. There was this relationship and the breakup stuff and the the fact that it did seem to get a lot of the cult aspects Mm -hmm. correct I mean in terms of recruitment and the way that somebody you know I felt like it was so meaningful when you get to the end and she goes from lose like from screaming and crying Mm. and seeming horrified to starting to smile and that's the Mm. moment where you realize she's and to me I was like yeah this is exactly how Mm -hmm. something like this would happen for a person that was so deeply broken well also just the moments where uh Pele is his name Mm mm-hmm he, he's like pitching the community yeah. to Danny and he's talking about like, because this is a woman who is incredibly isolated. Yeah. She has lost her entire family. She's in an emotionally abusive relationship. Yep. And he's sort of pitching this idea of community to her where he's like, you will never, ever be alone. Yeah. And there's that really intense moment where she sees him like fucking a woman. In oh, the a, boyfriend fucking a woman. Yeah. In, in a, this the most amazing, ridiculous, ritualistic sex When the ritual. old woman gets oh behind God. him and starts pushing his ass, I was like, this is the greatest film ever made i mean everybody in my we were screaming Screaming his face oh so good but anyway so uh, this horrible thing happens where she sees her boyfriend uh cheating on her and the women are like around her moaning and and screaming with her is like a really intense powerful moment but it's it's so powerful because it's like she is in the middle of the deepest grief she's ever going to feel but she's not alone right um it's so powerful like and it's such a great climax at the end because you understand that like you know Danny's gonna stay there oh yeah well and and it's so much it so completely connects to the part of uh cult recruitment where you're broken down emotionally and then rebuilt Mm -hmm. so uh, even though this community and these people were all intimately involved in setting up the scenario that led to her seeing this betrayal Uh, they were still there to like right. be with her and let her do the sort of primal scream thing. And so also, then when she came back, her fuck face fine. boyfriend didn't need much of a nudge. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, but that's the no thing. great loss. Like, I saw seeing him. I was like, Oh my God. Like, uh, especially since not only is he, uh, romantically, uh, treacherous, he's academically treacherous. Yeah. He's a bad guy all around. Um, and I was just like, but he's, he's bad and he's weak. And I was mm. so pleased to see, Three, these three dudes, these three American dudes who so perfectly encapsulated a particular type of weak, shitty masculinity. As and they're opposed all different. To, yeah. All different. They're not turbo bros. They're the kind of people you'd expect to run into in a coffee shop or like when you're Or you'd be friends store. with. I yeah. was like, I would be friends with all three of these guys in yeah. college. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, any other points before we move on? Um, I knew we would go long on this and it's fine. We'll no, just do a longer and I, episode. And I was going to say, like, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that really struck me. I mean, you can tell we um, liked it a lot because oh I, yeah. I could just talk about that movie for an hour. I, you know, I just felt like watching it was a wonderful spell and uh, it was great to watch. Ev- it was great to watch everything burn. Um, um, I was shocked. Yeah. I was talking with someone or someone tweeted me and they were they walked out. They said 10 minutes into the movie because they hated the soundtrack so much. Oh, my God. I thought the soundtrack was great. I love it. I want to shout it out specifically because I said that I've been listening to uh, Fire Temple on loop since I saw the movie. But obviously, the album is just called Midsummer and it's by Bobby Krillick. And Ari Aster wrote the screenplay while listening to some of Bobby Krillick's former work. So... Um, yeah, the music is deeply integral to the rest of the film. And yeah, if, if nothing we said completely turns you off, 
like if if intense violence doesn't turn you off, if you're into horror movies, I recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very sad that he just decided that he seems to want to not do another horror movie next, but I can probably understand. He's a 32 year old man. He could probably stand to get out of the dark headspace for sure, a little while. Sure. Probably for his own mental health. Yeah. But speaking of that, of poor mental health, it's that time of the show, everybody. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. All right, we got to talk about Mike Pence's visit to the border. Ooh, we got we got so much concentration camp related content for you. We do uh, coming up. Don't you guys worry. So if you haven't seen the videos online, uh, Mike Pence went to uh, one of the uh, uh, border concentration camps in an effort to prove that CNN and other outlets have been exaggerating the dire circumstances in these camps. And it, I think it's just an exercise in confirmation bias because yeah. the video I saw of the – and he deliberately went to a facility that's housing men right. because uh, they will be less because sympathetic. Because you can still pretend. You can still say, oh, they're criminals. They're all criminals. Yeah. Whereas if it was women and children, maybe a little too sympathetic. So they go to a facility with all men. And the men are desperately, like, clearly they have sent the men to the front who speak the most English, mm-hmm. who are just trying to desperately communicate that they haven't showered in 40 days, they, that they're hungry, they can't. The lights are yeah. on all the time, all of that stuff. And they are, like, trying to communicate that to everyone who is not Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just, like, screaming. So for me, I was sort of like, well, my confirmation bias of this situation is that that looks horrible and those uh, conditions are horrifying uh but for mike pence um i guess he just saw what he wanted to see and and he yeah. thought that cnn had exaggerated yes well it's like they're it's clean and they're allowed these things and you know i've been told all this stuff that is it's just fine they're and, not being executed you know, if they so. were just you know if, if people would do what we want and give us money for all of these things you know everything that we want mm-hmm. then maybe we could move them to other facilities as if the pla- the fact that uh, there are already facilities that are barely have anyone in them. So even if they were determined to continue holding people in the concentration camps, they could send them to other ones. They decide to leave them in these horrific conditions because the cruelty is the point. Right. Um, and yeah, they're getting a lot of support from uh, from their base because they want to see people being tortured. These right. are like the people who are Trump Pence supporters want to see people in cages Mm -hmm. and they want to know that they are being given the worst treatment because they are monsters and Mm -hmm. I would like to lock them into a cage for 40 days without a shower. Yeah. I, I get a real like, fuck you. I want to put you is like, you should do it. I get that. I get that. And I mean like ultimately like if when I'm voting and when I do my whatever sort of like real life, it is that is not the impulse that I will take. But like, in my gut, I'm kind of like, yeah. you deserve to suffer some. Yeah, this is the thing where it is really hard for me to be, like, articulate about it because I'm so angry. Like, do you just saw that story about that little girl who died. Yeah. Um, and this is the same area where she was attempting to cross the border with her mom. Her mom left her to go try to find water. And the little girl died. And these are all pe- these are all crossings that are happening because of specific Trump policies mm-hmm. to not just... Uh, to like, and and a continuation of past administrations, but this is like at the point where people were struggling to figure out what to do. We have shut down points of entry so severely that people have to essentially wait for months to present themselves and request asylum, which is internationally protect is an internationally protected human right, Mm -hmm. and. The only reason people end up making these terrifying, harrowing, and often deadly crossings in more treacherous parts of the uh, borderland mm-hmm. is that there's literally no way for them to get across the border or get to some place where they can request asylum anymore because we are forcing people to wait for months yeah, and in then it unsafe sh- conditions before right. they're allowed to ask for help, which means they would then come into the United States be treated like complete shit and mm-hmm. almost certainly be uh, denied 
refugee status or asylum because we also just don't believe that's a thing that's like, that should happen. Right. And then in addition to that, we have all of these right wing militia assholes sabotaging. Like if there is a water supply that's been left for them, like oh, I thought the straight out. up government was doing that these oh, days. Oh yeah, yeah, they dumped that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like you know, those vigilantes on the border who are like, it's our duty to like pour out this water so people will fucking die in the desert. Yeah. Um, because some yeah, at this point, if you're still doing it and they're still coming, maybe your deterrent strategy isn't yeah. You know, but to them, they'd rather see dead people dead babies. in the desert. They'd <laughs> rather see dead babies. Than and I'm a sure live they person. describe themselves as being pro-life. Yeah. Um, but they're getting an awful lot of, I see what you've got there, like uh, an awful lot of help <laughs> from our favorite fucking brown shirt assholes yeah. at ICE. Yeah, Carla uh, Pro- Pro- Provost, Provost, who is the current chief of the Border Patrol and the first woman to hold the position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, girl power. Uh, was reportedly once a member of the I'm 10 to 15 the recently shuttered members-only Facebook group in which agents shared racist and sexist memes, including at least two doctored images of Representative Ocasio-Cortez engaging in oral sex. So The Intercept covered this and noted, when it first reported Provost's involvement in the group, the former cop and glass ceiling shatterer had previously condemned the group's posts publicly. She said, these posts are completely inappropriate and contrary to the honor and integrity I see and expect from our agents day in and day out. Any employees found to have violated our standards of conduct will be held accountable. Yeah. Hmm. Now, this is the same agency, the CBP, that also has been circulating a super fucked up uh, challenge coin that someone made. <laughs> challenge coins being things that military people yeah. trade among each other, uh, amongst each other for certain you know, it's a, they're now collector's usu- items. Usually, that's like um, highly valued uh, targets. Like it's you're like, oh, I was in this operation in Afghanistan, or I'm an army ranger, or I'm a navy seal. Oh, or something oh, I'm like thinking that. of the yeah. cards. The oh, no, no, that's cards. the right, cards. Right. I'm, th- yeah. I'm talking about these things are like little coins. Like I've they, been. Yeah, here. somebody made one that is making jokes about how the border patrol is now just doing babysitting and administration for all of these families instead of actually keeping the border safe. Um, hmm. the, uh, uh, it was also at the intercept I th- or ProPublica, uh, Dara Lind, um, wrote a piece about it. She got to see it. Apparently it's been circulated, uh, in Texas as far apart as California and Texas border stations. So there are like, they're also making jokes about the fact that like, they're just straight up making light of the, their job right now yeah. because they're so mad that they don't get to like harass people at borders, uh, that they have to like pretend to give a fuck about the children that they're holding Jesus. in prisons. Uh, awful, awful. You're. I'm glad you called them brown shirts because that's exactly what they are. Uh, I guess kind of on a lighter note, but maybe not really. I wanted to talk about <laughs> Trump's social media summit where he invited a bunch of far right internet personalities to the White House so they can complain that like Twitter is censoring them even though and this is such an important detail none of them have been banned from Twitter or Facebook or any social media platform um so yeah he just invited a bunch of uh these losers to the White House to complain and to talk about a non-existent bias yeah Trump like printed out like blew up uh, tweets of his and then li- like put them on easels around the summit <laughs> and you know definitions of things like shadow banning um, and I guess like yeah. Laura Loomer wasn't involved no, was or wasn't invited she was so mad about yeah. it so, I mean Seb Gorka did threaten to beat somebody up when he asked him a question oh so that was pretty nice that's exciting um, yeah and let's just um, let's just talk about how Trump is doing this at a time when he could be focusing on literally anything else. And it would probably be more important than this. Yeah. Well, he doesn't actually want to be president. He wants to be like, he's, he's too busy thinking about how he's going to not leave office when, when it's, he's supposed to, because he doesn't think that he should have to follow any rules. So he's got a, this is his way of 
bringing his particular form of grievance porn into the mm. White House Here's and my question, bringing people though, together. Because, like, he doesn't want to be president, right? Because no, he doesn't want to be... It's not that... He doesn't, do he doesn't the want the job. The he doesn't want to do the job of being yeah. the president. He wants to be the president. And we've seen three years into it that it is completely possible to not actually do the job of being president while still living in the White House and behaving like a petulant child. Yeah, that's true. It, probably if he was allowed to just completely hand the reins of like, you sit in all the meetings for me. But I'll just he have the even, title. That's what he's doing right now. I mean, yeah. the guy goes golfing all the time. True. He like tons of like how many people are acting heads of cabinet agencies? Isn't versus it just like, Jared Kushner doing all of it? <laughs> well, right. But I mean, they're not like none of the people who are actually in charge of anything have any experience or real capabilities. Right. Um, so this is, yeah, of course he's going to bring these people in to talk about social media and to say, he's like, ah, oh, you post all kinds of crazy shit. Like, uh-huh. good for you. So I also wanted to talk about Scarlett Johansson because I teased this a little bit when we (laughs) answered the Patreon question. I asked Meredith if she would murder her. Um, So recently she was doing an interview with As If magazine and she shared her take on uh, a lot of the backlash she's been getting for accepting some controversial roles. Like when she played when she played a character in Ghost in the Shell, despite being not even a tiny bit Asian. Uh-huh. And she was supposed to play a, a trans man mm-hmm. and got in a lot of trouble for that and had to pull out. But anyway, so she went on this strange little tirade where she said that, you know, as an actor, I should be allowed to play any person or any tree. <laughs> Or any animal, because that's my job and requirements of my job. She just, like, is a faux pas machine. Where it's like, how do you in the same breath... We're talking about, like, trans people and people of color. And you're like, you know, yeah, I I would play an animal. It's like, oh, cool, let's compare people of color and trans people to animals. Yeah, well, you know... It's not... I mean, her next husband is going to be Colin Jost. So it's not like she's getting a lot of great messages about what is and is not <laughs> socially acceptable you know, anymore. When Michael Che comes over and they can all complain about it together. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, Let's face it, though. That would be a fucked up <laughs> drink session to listen to in on. Oh, I saw enough uh, late night shows at Chelsea with uh, Mike, Mike Che uh, complaining about... Um, the overly PC at UCB crowds. I mean, like Scarlett Johansson having this come out and then defending herself and then almost immediately then releasing an incredibly contrite sounding apology, which sounds deeply like somebody from Marvel called (laughs) and was like, you got to get your shit together because somebody's still paying for your Black Widow movie. Um, Mm. Like also on the day that we have Maureen Dowd's Woke Back Mountain. Oh, fuck. Should we talk about that? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't want like, to. <laughs> oh, it's just like, on a day, it's like, there's just, we still, sometimes you just still get these, like, white ladies just not pulling their shit together. No, and what's so wild about Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost and Michael Che, like, honestly, the three of them are a throuple in my mind. <laughs> just say nothing, but they can't do it. Like, they're oh. so mad. We're like... The reason they keep getting in trouble is because they keep wading into these topics that are clearly just above their pay grade and they're either ignorant or maybe they are just like hateful people. But truly, all she just has to say is like, I'm really sorry I took that role. I shouldn't have done that. I mean, like, I can't even say it's like Colin Jost hasn't even managed to say any like all like hasn't done it. He just makes some bad jokes and seems to like not get it. Uh but that's because he's also because he's like a, a sentient pair of Nantucket red <laughs> shorts. Truly. Um, yeah, I did just come up with that. On the fly. <laughs> I just got really excited. Um, <laughs> you know, he's like, you, you just let Mike Che and Scarlett Johansson just take all of the fire while you just like sit back, like sipping a Bud Light. Yeah. Yeah. But they're just the worst. But like I it mm. kind of in a. I don't know. I, we Yeah, we were also, we just have already spent too much time you on You know what? We'll move on. Guys, on that note, it's been a long slog through the bad, but here's your good news. All right, so I wanted to talk about the blackout that happened in Manhattan. 
But didn't affect us at all. At all in Brooklyn. I was Or Queens. Because oh, I'm in Queens. Right, that's yeah. true. You're on the you're on the border. Um I was I had said bye to Charles. Charles went to Stonewall to go work. And then like an hour and a half later, he's like, so I just got off the train. And I was like, what happened? And I went on Twitter and everybody was posting about the blackout that was happening in Manhattan. The reason I'm putting this in the good news section is uh, New York in classic New York fashion reacted in a really dope way, which was a lot of the Broadway shows lost power and the casts went outside and like sang for everybody. Yep. Or played their instruments for everybody. So if you were online, you saw the cast of Town singing for everyone, the cast of Waitress. There was a chorus, there was a mm -hmm. choir that was singing at Carnegie Hall that yep. came out and Lincoln sang. Center, yeah. the musicians oh, yeah. went outside and they were playing for everybody. It was really, really beautiful. Um, but also, like, pedestrians just stopped what they were doing and started directing traffic. And everybody was just really looking out for each other. And I, yeah. it was really beautiful to sing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have nothing to add. It's just <laughs> nice that uh, the reaction was sweet and sort of like, well, we got to make the mo best of it yeah. as we can. Also, and when the lights went back on, if you saw that video, just seeing everybody cheer for blocks and blocks mm -hmm. and blocks was really beautiful. And yeah, I am a cynical New Yorker, but the second somebody starts singing outside, I instantly burst into tears and I'm like, it's all so beautiful. That said, I am so glad that I wasn't in Manhattan oh God. last night because yeah. I would have lost, lost my shit. It. Lost it. Can you imagine if you were on an elevator in a subway station and you got stuck? Nope. Lose it. Lose it. Also, obviously, um, not to paint a power outage is a good thing because especially in the summer, very dangerous if people don't have mm -hmm. air and all that stuff. I'm just saying that uh, watching a bunch of people make the best of a bad situation was very moving and very New York and I loved it. So also in good news, I did of course want to talk about the US women's soccer team. Their you mean parade. All of my wives. All of Meredith's wives, as they are uh, also known, had their parade in New York City. And of course not only the crowd, but the women themselves took the opportunity to um, bring up stuff like equal pay and not treating them like they're subhuman, but like the crowds there were chanting yeah. equal pay and stuff. And I thought that was very cool, too. It was. Uh, I will also add that Ashlyn Harris, backup goalkeeper of the team and Instagram uh, cinematographer extraordinaire, um, at one point had an Instagram video where you see a tons of pieces of paper floating into the trees, mm -hmm. all of which were pages from their equal pay lawsuit against US, the <laughs> US Soccer Federation. And then teammate Ali Long picks up a piece of the like, piece of this lawsuit, balls it up and then eats it. <laughs> and uh, then she then Ashlyn Harris says, pay us, bitch. <laughs> Um, and Love. that really gave me great joy. Um, and also in the good news section, I want to talk about a lot of sexual predators um, getting busted. So Jeffrey Epstein, obviously, probably being the most uh, prominent sexual predator of the moment. After uh, more than a decade, uh, after receiving one of the most lenient sentences for a serial sex offender in U.S. history, multi-millionaire Jeffrey Epstein has been arrested um, but, like, the details that have now come out about his... Harrowing. Ooh, like, his creepy predatory grooming behavior of getting jobs where he has easy access to young girls, moving into neighborhoods that are very close to schools. Like, this guy is beyond Having an entire up. staff and or cadre of women who are around Groomers, to, like, yeah. help groom them mm -hmm. so that they do this. That he didn't even bother to, like, rename any of the tapes of all of his, like, or the tapes or discs, whatever he had, all that of the seized, photographs, yeah. the nude photographs of these underage girls, like. Disgusting. That the, in the Caribbean, his private island was known by locals as Pedophile Island. What's in that fucking temple he built? What's in <laughs> that fucking temple? There was, like, a huge church yeah. or something that I mean, he built. Yeah. And this is a man who's, like, and I'm not. You know, not to say that academic achievements are indicative or <laughs> of quality, human quality, sure. but like this is a man who never got, whenever went to college, uh, and still managed to get a job teaching at Dalton, which is How? one of the most because 
he probably I don't know who knows he's probably been blackmailing yeah. people for his entire that's life that's the speculation and that he has all of this much like yeah. Putin he has all of yeah. the tapes but you know? he's been getting all of this support from some guy at Bear Stearns and then now the guy that owns Victoria's Secret Unlimited and he probably yeah does have a lot of dirt on people I mean this is a person who's like the biggest piece of shit like and we don't even know how extensive this level of no. shittiness he's also one of those people it's like here's you know what's the line when when people tell you who they are believe them yeah uh he's the person the kind of person who definitely said out fucking loud that there's a difference between being a pedophile which in his he's like a pedophile and a febophile because like he's not attracted to like children he's, attra- he's attracted to like tweens and teens right um, and that's just like not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I I know there is a you can differentiate between the two. No, if you are a person who differentiates between the two, you have thought too much about this <laughs> right. for you to have a healthy att- approach to human sexuality. That is true. And you should definitely seek professional help. It is wild to me that because now that I'm older, especially when I meet a 17 year old or something, I'm like, you're a baby. Yeah, you're a child. So th- yeah, that is so creepy when they're like it's not yeah. like i'm attracted to a nine-year-old it's like well congratulations i guess oh I'm my not, god i'm not attracted to a nine-year-old i just want to get a naked massage from this 14 year old girl oh like god, 14 14 a mean, baby i'm sorry yes that's an eighth grader yeah that's insane like, and i think also this is not to say that uh Children of those ages don't have sexual feelings and don't deserve to have sexual agency. And that also that doesn't mean that a 17-year-old boy who has sex with a 15-year-old girl should be labeled a sexual predator his entire yes. life. The issue is that we have we have created and maintained a, 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 a whole hierarchy of sexual shame and patriarchal abuse that means that it's impossible to talk about this man's monstrous behavior or our next pedophile <laughs> monstrous behavior without suddenly creating a situation that threatens to remove agency from kids who do want to yeah. have like age appropriate, emotionally appropriate sexual experiences that allow them to understand what healthy relationships are. For the sure. problem isn't kids having sex. It's kids being coerced into sex with creepy by Jeffrey adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did you see how the Telegraph covered the Prince Andrew shit? Yeah, where they were like, it's a potential embarrassment for the prince that he might have raped a seventeen-year-old girl. That's not a potential embarrassment. I tweeted this where I was like, a potential embarrassment is you walk out of the bathroom with toilet paper stuck to your yeah. foot. Potentially embarrassing. You get right? off your polo horse into uh, a pile of shit. Right. Like, but, oh my God, what a potential embarrassment for Prince Andrew. Not being accused of raping a 17. That's not an embarrassment. That's mm-hmm. you're a criminal. No. And this is one of these things where, like, you know that if he's getting caught for doing this so rampantly to girls in the United States, in New York, in Florida, in these places, mm-hmm. the man has three valid passports mm-hmm. and lives in, has Guess pounds what he in did. multiple different countries. Yep. There have must be scores of people. God knows how young they were when he started preying on them. I mean, the idea is like this man has like single handedly created is like an army of victims. It's Mm. impossible to fathom the damage he's probably done in his lifetime. Yeah. And that like to all of the right wing people who were like, oh, well, Bill Clinton's going to go down, too. It's like, good. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Whoever was involved in this creepy fucking predatory sex ring that Epstein had been running for years, decades, Good. Let them all burn. Yeah. And if you were associated with him for a while or for some reason, like you deserve to deal with it, too. It doesn't Trump, mean like, yeah. you know, some of these. Well, I mean, the the falling out that Trump had, there's a lawsuit, the lawsuit about that's, I guess, against Trump for the sexual assault that mm. uh, the reason they stopped being friends was because they were fighting over which one of them was going to get to rape a girl for her virginity. Don't you hate that? Don't you hate when you go to a party with your best friend and everything's like going good and then all of a sudden you want to rape the same person? That is so awkward. Mm -hmm. That'll ruin a friendship. What is wrong with everyone? (laughs) What is fucking wrong with you? I hope all these guys burn. Speaking of I want you to burn, R. Kelly... Also, uh, speaking of sexual predators, 
uh, has been arrested in Chicago on federal sex crime charges. What up, Man Act? Sorry, Ooh. actually, the Man Act can be super prob- like yeah, problematic. Yeah, for sure. When, but well, like that's in this what's case, so terrible it. about <laughs> all of this. Like, I'm so glad that Epstein and R. Kelly are getting swept up in all this because they are serial predators. But the traffic, sex trafficking mm-hmm. laws are so fucked yeah. and usually punish sex workers that it's not like I can celebrate federal law. No. <laughs> you know? But at least uh, R. Kelly, who, of course, is already facing charges of sexual abuse, was arrested in Chicago on a 13-count federal grand jury indictment. The indictment includes charges of child porn, enticement of a minor, and obstruction of justice. Uh, so I hope he burns too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and I guess a bunch of his employees turned over a shitload of tapes Good. and, and Good. evidence. So, I mean, yeah, fuck this guy. Um, it's not like the world didn't know what he was up to. Um, and yeah, maybe that's the only reason why it feels okay to be psyched about, uh, this is that the laws are problematic, but in these two instances, we are actually seeing them being applied to people who mm. have enjoyed immunity from any consequences from truly monstrous actions and you know next up let's start working on figuring out how some people who are really not doing anything wrong not be criminalized and punished for yes. uh for this kind of you know for for whatever they're in jail for or whatever they're on the registries for but right. you know let's just recognize that if this shit has to if this is going to exist we better put these fuckers in jail yeah and like they're obviously so scary because there's nothing more dangerous than like a wealthy powerful man right i mean i guess r kelly's different obviously because he's black but also his victims were Mm -hmm. black so they got less attention than like the blonde white victims of jeffrey epstein but uh, r kelly hugely powerful man you know the biggest name ever in r&b so he had unchecked power and there's nothing more dangerous than that so when these guys get taken down i think it's so important because they they're sort of like the gatekeepers for other predators who at least in jeffrey epstein's case where he was like holding these like creepy rape parties for other wealthy men where it's like well if you take down epstein maybe Hopefully it'll be harder at least uh, to for them to have access to as many victims. I, I just, as long as a few of these assholes are pissing themselves in their sleep over Good. the possibility that someone yeah. comes for, comes to knock on their door, like that'll, that's a start. Right. Exactly. Guys, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, new episodes of Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj come back on August 6th. Nice. So that is uh, fast approaching. Be ready for it. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I have a show at the UCB Theater in Hell's Kitchen, July 22nd at 6 o'clock in the evening. It's called Welcome to the New Church. I wrote the whole thing. I'm starring in it with a stellar cast and it's directed by an excellent director. If you can make that, please do. It's free to UCB students. Guys, follow us on the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, hashtag Light Trees and Pod if you had any thoughts about anything we talked about today, including the 50 minutes about Midsummer. <laughs> I Sorry, regret guys. nothing. I regret nothing. Put R. Kelly and Jeff Epstein in the in the barn in the burn barn. Ooh, we should write that movie. Yeah, I'm taking it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Meredith Put is like, I'm not co-writing it. I'm no. writing it. I'm like, what animals Fair can enough. we stuff what animal carcasses can we stuff them in and then burn them ceremonially? Ooh, I like this thought mm-hmm. exercise. <laughs> Guys, have a glorious weekend. I hope to see some of you at the online hangout 7 o'clock tonight. Thank you for all of the support. Go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button to keep us going, or patreon.com slash Kilkenny to get some of those sweet benefits. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>